Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, everything I run through every week. You know the deal by now. If not... You're fucking initiated now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, check us out on all of those and review us. It helps. It does. The algorithms and whatnot, you know. Technology. <laughs> it helps us all out. So go over, go over there wherever you get a podcast at. Help us out. Give us a like, click, subscribe, all that. Anyways. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show. Video games like and are dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me once again is the thoughts inside my head. <laughs> um, Mike is traveling this week. Um, as you guys know, um, he's been talking about on the show. Uh, and those of you who have been listening for a long time and know that he competes competitively in Halo. Um, and those of you who are, you know, interested in Halo in general and probably know that this weekend is the first Halo Championship Series Major this weekend, and Mike's playing in it. So, yay! Good luck, Mike. Uh, his team, Mystic, is going down. Um, they, I believe, are heading down today. But uh, his week has been crazy. Uh, so, unfortunately, it's just me again. Uh, but obviously a good reason for Mike not to be on the show this week. Um, Going to be another short one. Um, I know I said before, oh, no, we're not going back to this. It's one more week. Um, we wanted to plan a... Um, proper spoiler cast for Halo Infinite, um, getting myself, Mike, potentially Adam, because he's played through it, uh, and I know he had some thoughts, <laughs> um, uh, but Mike, uh, with everything going on with, you know, needing to scrim and whatnot, wasn't able to finish the game yet, and I'd rather wait to do that, get everyone on here, have a really good, nice, big conversation about the game, because it deserves that much, um, both good and bad things about the game, uh, it's not perfect, as we all know, but it's as I stated in our past two review and progresses for multiplayer and campaign on my end, it's a fucking fantastic game. So, but it's not perfect. So there's a lot of things I would want to talk about, especially now after myself rolling credits on uh, Halo Infinite's campaign. There's a lot I'd like to talk about. Uh, a lot of positives, maybe some negatives. You know, I think it would just benefit everyone to get everyone on the same page. So we're going to hold that off, potentially make that our Christmas episode. Uh, oh, ho, ho, yeah, that's real Christmassy. But more so, that'll be our episode that you guys get to listen to over the Christmas break, kind of get you settled in and whatnot. So, which is crazy that <laughs> literally Christmas is like almost a week away. How the fuck did that happen? Before we get into the video game talk, humor me for a second. Time, you know what? Flat earthers, you know, you make fun of, yada, yada. It, it, Clearly, the Earth is round. Yeah, yeah. But time is fucking flat. It is, it is a fucking flat circle. How the fuck? How the fuck is it almost Christmas right now? I literally blinked and it was fucking Halloween, like 
felt like two days ago. Actually, I blinked and it was fucking March 2020. The pandemic messed everything up a ton. If we're keeping it 100, like it really did. Time is a flat circle. It is completely you know, even Abby. She's getting upset. She's honking around over here. Do you need a poop? You need to poop? She hasn't pooped in like two days. Do you need to poop? Do I need to get you some pumpkin? To push one out. Anyways. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we want to make, in general, though, time is a flat circle. It, it, it's shocking me that it's already at this point. But, anywho, getting back on track. We're going to do that next week. Uh, that's the plan, at least as of right now. I hope, my hope is it doesn't get pushed to the week after. It may. There's a small chance just because of the holidays and whatnot. But um, after Mike gets back from uh, the event, sit Adam down as well, get him involved with this. This could be our Christmas episode. So um, things knock on wood should be back to normal. And finally, for the foreseeable future, back to normal. Uh, didn't want to miss a week. You know, I've had a lot of people tell us, you know, hey, it's cool to take a week off. It's cool to do that. It's, you know, we totally get it. Um, you know, a lot of places do it. And I don't have an issue with the, you know, hey, take, take a break. A lot of my favorite content creators, especially the ones who, you know, I don't want to say aren't streamers, but like do stream on Twitch in terms of like their podcasts and things like that. Like, for example, kind of funny, they take two weeks off because they go constantly. Usually they're going in, you know, flying through all the other major holidays that are going on. So they need some time off, you know, so it's nice to get, you know, it, I completely understand that and needing that off. I mean, hell, with work, I'm getting finally, you know, some time off after a crazy fall working in college athletics. So, like, it's going to be nice to have, like, 10 days off. So everyone needs that shutdown period. But for this, I do like, because it's very, our show gets very topical, very news-centric at times, I, I think it's important to touch base and have a conversation every week. Um, just even if it's small bite-sized ones like this, that we're in and out in, you know, 30 minutes, I don't have your time too much, but enough to get you guys caught up in the world of Xbox, in the world of PC gaming, things like that, just to kind of get everyone on the same page. So, it, I like to at least check in with everyone because the support you guys have shown us over the past, you know, two and a half years has been incredible. And the least we can do is make sure we're having open communication with you on a weekly basis. Because I know how important, as somebody who has a long commute, you know, that I drive, you know, between a half hour and an hour one way at times to work each day. I rely and I look forward to a lot of podcasts and things to listen to in the car and stuff like that. And I'm very connected with the content creators that I support. So, you know, I get it at times. So I want to make sure we're reciprocating that enough as possible. So anywho, though. Let's get into the show, why don't we? Uh, before we go into our big topics and whatnot, just on my end, um, obviously, like I said, wrapped up for what I've been playing. Wrapped up Halo Infinite's campaign. Um, I want to say I probably put in a good 20 hours into it. Um, I, I go and path parts of it at times because I did want to make sure I got it done in a concise manner. I didn't want to get spoiled, too. Um, but I want to make sure it was, you know, I was moving along, making progress and whatnot. But the first half of the game, I very much sunk in and was, I, I love doing that, which kind of devalued, you know, some of the things that I had issues with, or some devalued some of the experience I had on the back half of the game. But that was my own doing, that I kind of golden path the last half of it, where the first half of it, it very much played into my wheelhouse with open world games, where 
Oh, there's an FOB over there. Oh, there's a group of Marines who just need some help. Oh, there's a cosmetic that I can go and get over there for multiplayer. Oh, shocking, right? You're able to unlock cosmetics for multiplayer in single player. Who would have thought? People love to bitch about anything. I digress, though. I, I still believe that open communication 343 needs to fix their economy with the game. That's not changing. But come on. Wait till the game's fucking out. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, so... On my end, I've been primarily playing that. Um, my wife and I finished Life is Strange Through Colors. Um, fucking excellent. Um, it was her favorite Life is Strange game so far. I personally, if I had to pick, I personally would have put it at number two. I, and I think it's just for the nostalgia and that feeling of newness with Life is Strange, the original, um, where... I felt just so fucking connected with Chloe and Max and their story and their companionship and the characters that were in that game. It felt very lived in, breathed in. And as somebody who comes from a small, you know, small town roots kind of thing, like to me, I resonated with a lot of the communication that was going on in that, in that game. Uh, and a lot of the emotional things that are, the strings that are being pulled on. So to me, you know, really, I I put it at number two. I put Life is Strange, True Colors at number two. I thought it had some of the best dialogue, period, in a Life is Strange game. It was vastly, it, like, that's why I say nostalgia is probably, like, nostalgia is taking the one pushing the original Life is Strange to number one. But... Because the dialogue in that game at times was not great. The dialogue between the two characters and the the depth of the dialogue at times, like the content of the dialogue at times, and the emotional you know strings that they're pulling on was great. But you know, hella like the Chloe loved to say, you know, like it's sometimes thought that Don't Nod, you know, who did not develop this game, it was developed by Deck Nine, those uh, the team behind uh, Life is Life is Strange Before the Storm. Um, the prequel one. So, you know, it's, it almost felt like Don't Nod was writing a game that, hey, what do, what do we think teenagers sound like in, you know, the 20, or like in modern times? In that case, it was 2013, 14, whatever that game came out, or 15 even. Um, you know, what do kids sound like? It's like, uh, they say hella a lot, or, you know, they have these little quippy phrases. No, you know, so, this game felt much more realized to what was going on with the millennial age demographic. And I thought it tackled a lot of really, 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 really good topics to cover with mental health, um, with communication and, you know, opening up about, you know, correctly disclosing your emotions in, in a way that, you feel comfortable doing so and providing an environment for people to feel that way and yada, yada. So it, I thought it was fucking excellent. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite stories this year uh, in terms of uh, narratives. So I'm really excited to do when we get to, you know, in two or three weeks when we get to game of the year talk uh, talk. And I have a feeling that game's going to come up at least in my favorite narratives. Um, so uh, it really, 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 to me, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, 
Next up on my backlog that I'm trying to finish for Game of the Year talks, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Really fucking enjoying that so far, too. Uh, winner of Game of the Year last year. Or not Game of the Year. Uh, best narrative this past year. Like, this year, I guess I should say. Yeah, this year. Uh, last week of the Game Awards. So, I'm really enjoying the narrative. I fucking love the Guardians. Uh, definitely my major touchstone. I'm somebody who has grown up on comics and loves comics. I'm Tonight, Spider-Man fucking No Way Home, baby. I'm ecstatic for that game i've and i never do this shit i have a whole fucking outfit picked out i got my dope gray bomber jacket on with my fucking miles morales shirt on underneath plus my fucking red black and white air force ones that i got on rock like i'm fucking ready baby i'm so fucking ready like i i'm ready to fucking ball out i'm so ready for this fucking movie like so anyways though as somebody who grew up on comics specifically though um some of my favorites, Batman, uh, Spider-Man, obviously. The X-Men were big because I'm a 90s kid. Like, as somebody who grew up on comics, though, Guardians was not a touchstone for me. Um, I remember hearing about them from time to time, but never, I, I never knew who the Guardians were. And they never necessarily interest me until, like many, 2014 rolls around, Guardians of the Galaxy, thence you iteration comes out, blows everyone out of the water, like, so I have definitely, I'm a big fan of James Gunn's uh, approach to storytelling and narrative and dialogue specifically and the way he creates character interactions and their relationships and the way that they disclose those relationships. I, I'm a really big fan of the way that he he makes a movie, um, specifically when it comes to somebody who writes and directs. I, I think he's fantastic. Anyways, though, um, but... Now I'm a big Guardians fan. So I I had been looking forward to this game. I was critical of this game when it was first shown, finally. I mean, we had heard talks for, you know, rumors for years and, you know, sources saying, yeah, there's a Guardians game from uh, Eidos Montreal that's coming out. Um, you know, Square's going to be put, producing a Guardians of the Galaxy game. And so many people were like, uh, and it felt like it almost ended up in development hell for a while. But, you know, surprisingly enough, they showed it off this summer at E3. So, and I was very critical because many, whenever, which is weird, when Marvel's Avengers came out last year, and really when it was first shown the year prior, a lot of people were always, and I think it was just because of the, how close in proximity at that point we were, we were just on the other side of Endgame. And I think people were still kind of like, still reeling from that in terms of, the high that they had and, you know, still the connection that they're having to that original crew um, when Avengers came out and them not being, you know, photocopies of the MCU versions. I think people had an issue with that, that they were like, oh, I don't like the way that these characters are this and that. I never felt that way. I always thought the characters were fun. I love Nolan North, love Troy Baker. I love Laura Bailey, Travis Williams, um, or Willingham, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I think... That casted fucking fantastic. And especially um, uh, the actress, I can't remember her name, uh, who played Kamala Khan. And the way that they approached that story as being Kamala Khan's story with the Avengers, I thought was fucking incredible. Um, I really did. Uh, obviously, there were glaring issues with the gameplay loop, uh, and rightfully so, that people have been, you know, open and talking about that. As critical as we were as well. But I always thought that that wasn't an issue in terms of like, oh, yes, these are different from the MCU versions, just like Peter Parker and Spider-Man in Insomniac Spider-Man series 
is different from the MCU version of Tom Holland Spider-Man. Like, yeah, they're different. Yeah, they're they can each live in their own you know <laughs> area, and you know they can. That's and maybe it's just because I grew up on comics and have that kind of mindset of like. Well, yeah, there's the amount of different lines, storylines of comics and different runs of comics. Like, my God, as somebody who loved Batman growing up, especially when it comes to comics, the dude had fucking like 60 different iterations. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, maybe I'm just used to that living these having each have their own echo chamber and in, in whatnot. So like in their own, you know, breath, really, I guess. But. Outside of that, though, I didn't I was this one for some reason definitely did hit a little bit where I was like, eh, I, I'm this isn't hitting to me as much. Maybe that's just because my only touchstone to them is the MCU's Guardians, really. So, you know, but once I started getting in and obviously once we start hearing more about it and the narrative specifically, the dialogue options, things like that. And once I started getting my hands on it, it's understandable the praise that it was getting specifically from its dialogue and narrative specifically like it's fucking fantastic I, i'm so excited to see where this goes um i really love the dynamic between the group i think it works really well um I still think i maybe favor the mcu's version but that's just because i've spent you know almost eight years with that version so but i'm working my way through that really fucking excited to finish that up but anywho so with that being said Ladies and gentlemen, let's go into our big topics for this week. And we got two that I just wanted to kind of run over. Uh, last week, obviously, the talk of the town was the Game Awards, the yearly, you know, I want to say the Oscars, but I won't want to, I don't want to insult jo uh, Joseph Ferris in that way. That, but this is the Academy Awards version of, or what we're hoping the Academy Awards version of gaming is. Uh, the most press coverage, the most, you know, this is the highest peak right now that most people see as, our industry's version of the Oscars, the Academy Awards, where we get to celebrate the accomplishments of this year in a official manner, quote unquote. So anyways, though, uh, and that's not to, uh, you know, decredit dice or anything like that, because those are extremely, extremely important. Uh, this one just has the most fanfare around it, I think. So uh, and for good reasons and, you know, maybe not so good reasons. But anyways, though, did want to run through that because I think it's important we kind of touch on that. There's some announcements, too, that I want to touch on. Um, but obviously, we'll kick it off with Game of the Year. Um, and I think a lot of people's surprise here to those who, not that, even those who played it, um, the winner was eight, It Takes Two. And I definitely, definitely, definitely think it deserves every praise that it gets and deserves this award very much. Um I've very much been, I haven't been hiding for the past, what, seven months? I don't know, more than that, eight months that I've been playing, that I played that game ago, talked about it on the show and told Mike then that I'm like, this game's going to be in my game of the year conversation. Like, this game's fucking fantastic. Um, and I think it kind of hurt people a little bit. Um, the only, re the big reason why I thought it hurt, it, it had its chances hurt a little bit was because of the required co-op with it. Um, but granted, Buddy Pass played online. Person doesn't need that as long as you're friends with them. Boom, you can send them a copy of it. They're able to play with you. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, workarounds with that. But at the same time, too, 
compared to when you look at the competition, Deathloop, that was getting tons of praise, a 10 on IGN, um, you know, Metroid Dread, tons of praise, Psychonauts 2, the return of Tim Schafer in Double Fine, and them knocking it out of the park with this game that has been so long in the making. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, fucking fantastic game from Insomniac, who just keeps fucking somehow knocking it out of the park. One of the best AAA developers out there right now. Um, and that's as somebody who plays on everything and keeping it 100, they fucking nail it. And I really hope I could see Arcane really becoming Microsoft's Insomniac style studio where multiple teams working on these projects that are equally as diverse and just fucking detailed and vibrant as Insomniac is with Spider-Man and Ratchet and hopefully some new stuff too. Um, and then Resident Evil Village, another game that Mike and I both fucking loved. Um, so just tough fucking uh, competition. And that's why I thought, okay, the requirement, the only bridge is, hey, you got to have somebody else to play with this. You can't have just a single player experience with an AI, you know, player too. So, but this, what Hazelight has been able to do working with EA and working as it with EA with their originals program and being really this tentpole of the view that, Hey, you can have, you can still live in trip. You can still live independently or in the realm of independent when it comes to game development. But at the same time, there is a way for you to make sure you get the credit that a lot of indie games deserve. And a lot of indie games don't receive because of limited budgets and, going off of word of mouth and whatnot, that I give EA credit where credit is due that EA's shown that, hey, we can make something work. Not only with Unraveled, Unraveled 2, but with Hazelight and showing that, you know, brothers and a way out and, you know, you name it now. And now it takes two, a game that really touched on a lot of not only great narrative topics with, you know, talking about divorce and working through relationships and, being a child at the center of that and, you know, <laughs> really understanding that perspective that many parents forget whenever it gets to that point. And not to mention, it's a fucking fantastic platformer. Fantastic 3D platformer. Oh my God, is it fun to play? Like, it, it just, everything's so tight. Like, it's it, it feels so good. There, Yeah, it's a platformer, 3D platformer. There's going to be a small level of floatiness, but it, it's tight floatiness. As weird as that sounds, like, it's good float. Like, it feels good to play, which you don't get in a lot of games that, if we're keeping it 300, not 100, 300, that you don't get from non, that you tr traditionally don't get from non-Nintendo 3D platformers. So, I mean, it takes two very, very deserved. I, everyone on this list, really, very deserved. Obviously, don't want to get too much into Metroid Dread. Huge fan of that game, and same with Ratchet and Clank. But, Seeing Psychonauts 2, and a lot of people said, hey, this is a down year for games. Not not a down year, but there there wasn't a big tentpole blockbuster like last year. Not only did they have Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Last of Us Part 2, which has been looming, fucking slowly making its way in. You know, so I get it that a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, there's not that big tentpole game this year, but. If you ask me, I don't want to hear anything about this was a bad year for games because I look on here and I see six game of the years 
potential in each one of them. And that even said, and there's games that aren't even on here that I believe could have made game of the year as well. So this year was fucking fantastic for games. Either you didn't play enough games or you weren't looking for enough games or something like that. And that's totally fine. People are, I, I'm never, I'm not bashing. I'm just saying like, just because a game isn't necessarily a new Mario game, new Zelda game, a new Halo game, as we're seeing now, like, it's, that doesn't mean that this year wasn't incredible for games. So, absolutely incredible. Anyways, moving on, though, like I said, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, game direction. Winner was Deathloop, which I think is super, super, super accurate. I think this is the perfect award for Deathloop to win. Um, I expected, usually, which you, we typically see, it seems like game direction and game of the year never seem to like, like you never see one game win best game direction and then go on to win game of the year. Traditionally, at least from past years, when you look at in 2018, a lot of people are like, fuck, God of War is up against Red Dead. Red Dead's going to clean house. A lot of people want God of War to win, me included. And I love fucking both of those games. A lot of people want a God of War to win. Ah, it's not going to have the push. It, it didn't have the reach that, you know, Red Dead did. And that's going to play in a little bit. Red Dead won game direction. And I thought that, I'm like, yes, that that's the perfect award. Game of the year should be God of War that year because of the whole package where Red Dead fucking executed so perfectly on its vision of what it wanted to be. It wanted you to live in a cowboy life simulator for the most part while telling a gripping narrative of the dying Wild West. And I think Deathloop and what Arcane and Deathloop did with Deathloop, I should say, encapsulates that same mindset of Arcane had a vision of what they wanted Deathloop to be. It's wild, wacky. It's this very much 60s style, 60s, 70s style of, you know, kind of, uh, what do I want to say? Like, uh, pulpy action in a way, but it's mixed in with some you know, odd aesthetics and different game mechanics that you wouldn't traditionally see built in with a time loop that kind of makes you feel like it's a roguelike. It's a very unique vision. And I think it executed so perfectly on that. Now, granted, a lot of these other games did too, between It Takes Two, Returnal, Psychonauts, and Ratchet. But to me, within you look there, you know, that's the clear winner with Deathloop being the clear winner. Um, best narrative, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Really excited to finish that up. Life is Strange True Colors was in there uh, as well, which I'm happy to see. They didn't win, which I understand um, because I think more people have just played Guardians and I think it took more people off guard because I think people just expected Life is Strange in general when you have that banner on a game that it's obviously going to be very narr narrative heavy considering it's very much the newest iteration of a point and click action game, you know, or adventure game, I should say. So, I totally get why people pick this because the it's much bigger scale, like in terms of, you know, a broader reach with the market appeal that Guardians does have now and Marvel in general. Um, but not only that, the narrative is fucking great. I can't wait to finish it. I'm so excited. But I might fucking go play after this. Fuck it. Um, so uh, but in general, though, it's fucking fantastic. So anyways, though, we're going to start kind of running through them now. Best art direction, Deathloop. Uh, best score in music. Went to near replicant version. Uh, Version 1.22474487139. Yeah, say that all fast again. I know what near replicant is and know what near automata is. You get what I'm saying. Best audio design went to Forza Horizon 5. Forza, as Mike makes sure makes 
sure I say it correctly. Um, but definitely, definitely glad to see Forza win something, um, especially too. They also won, um, I believe, best racing game or sports game, I believe. Yes, uh, Forza Horizon 5 did win that as well. Um, but some of the bigger ones, though, I was hoping to actually see Forza Horizon 5 in Game of the Year con contention, or at least game, maybe game direction or something like that, that hoping to get a little, little tiny bit more out of it. But anyways, though, best performance um, went to Maggie Robertson, who was Lady Demistru in uh, Resident Evil Village. Yes, as in the big mommy who wanted people to step on everyone, but, um, but I was really hoping that we would see Erica Mori, who voiced Alex Chan in Life is Strange True Colors. I think she was fucking fantastic. I think she, it, and as much as I say, I praise all the actors in like in the Life is Strange franchise, how much I love Chloe and Max's relationship I think Erica provided the best performance to a Life is Strange game yet. Um, so I was hoping to see her win, but at the same time, the impact that Lady Demistru had on gaming for, since that game was revealed last year, it's hard to fucking like, <laughs> it's understandable. Like, it is very understandable that um, they want to make sure Resident Evil gets something in there. Um, but anyways, though, Life is Strange though, did win games, games for impact, which I thought was, fucking great because it does have a very pro-social meaning message and it was thought-provoking and it fit everything so perfectly um with what they were trying to deal with in terms of mental illness and talking about you know reiterating your emotions and trying to find the best way to you know show those properly uh best ongoing game went to final fantasy 14 online which it's wild that they're not selling that game right now because it's too fucking successful. Uh, they can't keep up with it. That came out this morning. So kudos to Square and the team over there for more accolades going there, which absolutely deserve that. But uh, best indie game, uh, Kana Bridge of Spirits, but that's over on PlayStation. Um, was hoping to see Death Doors get in there. That's that's next on after on my, uh, on my uh, backlog to get through for game of the year. But best de debut indie game, again, went to Kena. Uh, best mobile game, Genshin Impact, which doesn't really, you know, isn't necessarily in our wheelhouse, but um, best VR game went to Resident Evil 4, which is great. <laughs> um, innovation and accessibility, Forza Horizon 5, shout out to the team over at Playground. Uh, best action game, Returnal, uh, won't go into that too much. Best action adventure game, Metroid Dread, don't go into that too much. Tales of Horizon won best RPG, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but considering it's the biggest Tales game to come out yet, it's understandable. Um, Guilty Gear Strive won Best Fighting Game. Best Family Game goes to It's Takes Two, which is usually just the Nintendo category, so that's nice to see. Um, best Sports and Racing Game, we already went over that with Forza Horizon 5. Uh, Age of Empires 4 Baby winning Best Sim Slash Strategy Game. So, shout out to World's Edge over there. Congrats to the whole team on finally bringing Age of Empires 4 to fruition and getting that out there and winning Best Sim and Strategy. I know Mike, Mike and Adam especially are very happy. Uh, best multiplayer game goes to it takes two shout out to them and shout out to back for blood getting in there and valheim baby getting valheim in there you love to see it um content creator of the year went to dream best esports athlete went to simple p pack and eyes boy simple <laughs> um and yeah i think that oh and then most anticipated game which you know teach their own on this one for the most part but elden ring naturally won that so 
Not too much longer, we got away from Elden Ring. But anyways, though, before we wrap that up uh, with the Game Awards, got to talk about some announcements that came out. Uh, and then I believe, did Halo Infinite win the Fans' Choice Award? I think it did. Um, but yeah, some of the announcements that came out, we got a new trailer for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is slated in 2022. Uh, as excited as I am for this next game, um, and the premise of that, and what it looks like, knowing that it comes from Quantic Dream, um, with David Cage and him being kind of a twat, uh, not kind of, just, you know, a bigoted twat. <laughs> um, he's very much that. Uh, Star Wars Eclipse looks fucking fantastic, and it sucks that I might not play that game because of that. Doesn't close the fact that it does look really fucking good. Um, but from what I from what I hear on that, and I believe from Jeff Grubb actually talked about it, it sounds like this game is still three to four years away. Uh, it's pretty early on still. And looking from the detail that was coming from this game, even though it is a Quantic Dream game, so you're probably looking at much more of a Life is Strange Telltale experience with that, uh, you know, Heavy Rain, Detroit, um, you're probably going to have more of that choose-your-own-adventure kind of point-and-click adventure, you know, kind of experience. So at the same time, you know, it's very exciting to see. But anyways, though, a new Wonder Woman game is coming out from Monolith Productions, the creator of uh, the Middle Earth Shadow series. Um, finally, we are getting Alan Wake 2. Sam Lake came out, showed that off. It's coming in 2023, so we got a little while to wait. Um, but this very much feels like it's going to be much more of a horror game, a horror experience compared to Alan Wake 1, which was much more supernatural. But this seems... And I, as soon as I saw that Remedy mentioned AWE and mentioned gave hints to Alan Wake in control. I knew that there I was like there's too much buzz around Alan Wake yet again to for them not to, and especially to when they got the funding from Epic. It just made sense. Anyways though, uh another couple too that I wanted to touch on. We got a first look at the Halo TV show, um, which looks really fucking dope. Um but I doubt we, uh, people keep saying, this is when we're going to see Master Chief. This is when we're going to see what he looks like. I would be shocked if that's the case. Um, got a new trailer for Elden Ring. Same with Sonic uh, Frontiers. Uh, what else did we get? I feel like there was something else. Uh, we got, finally got a look at the Matrix Resurrections, uh, or Awakens, I mean. Um, uh, Unreal 5 experience. I've yet to play that. I Actually, I'm going to install that after I get done with this. Um, and we're finally getting a new look at Tunic and Cuphead's uh, final DLC, The Delicious Last Course, which are both coming out in 2022. Uh, and I believe Tunic's coming out in March of 2022. Um, and then finally, too, to kind of wrap it up with this, we finally got a gameplay reveal for Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. Um, finally. And holy shit. I can't say enough good things about Ninja Theory already. And that was already. And this game still has to come out. This game is not coming out clearly this year. Probably not coming out next year. You know, we're probably going to see this game in 2023, if I had to guess. I don't think anybody right now, after just even seeing Ninja Theory, and we're even, I'm even talking Hellblade 1, and from what we've seen of this game now, from an immersion standpoint and what they're working towards, with not only, you know, Hellblade 2, Project Mara, you know, the other things that they have in the works. From what, everything we've seen, nobody I don't think can touch from a, an immersion standpoint what Ninja Theory is doing right now. And I truly believe that. Um, 
what they've been able to accomplish so far and what they're working towards in the future. Holy shit, man. Holy shit. For once, I mean, in, as somebody who I like to think understands game development pretty well, but I'm not a game developer necessarily. I have experience working in some engines and I'm learning how to do 3D art and things like that. Like, I'm eventually going to make that jump eventually, hopefully. But you can typically tell, as somebody who's played games all their life and has had a passion for games, you can typically tell between gameplay and cinematic pretty damn easily. This might be the first time that I couldn't. That after I'm looking at it for a few seconds, oh, yeah, yeah, this is gameplay. The transition to the animated, to the detailed sculpt version of Senua, the cinematic version of Senua, to the, you know, baked texture, uh, retopology filled version of Senua is almost impossible to see i truly think that from seeing it you got to check it out but anyways it was great to finally see some actual quote-unquote gameplay some an actual look at this game uh a you know set piece of this game that's happening i'm ecstatic to see where this game goes and this franchise goes i'm ecstatic to see what ninja theory is going to be able to accomplish with all of the new tech that they're bringing in-house since they've been acquired by microsoft I'm just really excited to see where this goes. I, I think we're going to have something special with this franchise and specifically this this game. So um, before we wrap it up, though, um, for the day, for the week, I guess I should say. I got to I got to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up first at the top of the show. I didn't want to bring it up then. And I'm bringing I'm bringing the mic in close because this is going to be like ASMR. Can you hear that? <laughs> okay, I can't fucking. <laughs> it's fucking happening, guys. Ubisoft announces Splinter Cell remake in development at Ubisoft Toronto. Let that sink in for a minute. We are having. I, I, I guess I can't really say a new Splinter Cell come out, but we're having a legitimate Splinter Cell experience in the works again. Which I would imagine will it's going to be on the Snowflake engine or the what is it? Yeah, Snowflake's the engine, right? I think so. I'm looking. I'm looking at the article. I'm about to. I'm pulling from. I'm just making sure. Uh, Snowdrop. That's it. I knew it was. It what? It was whatever engine the divisions on. So, which is good because I actually like the divisions engine personally. Um, the gameplay that I've gotten out of that or. I guess the tech behind it, from what I've seen on the back end, I like personally. So anyway, so Matt Perslow has a good write-up over at IGN on that. Go over there, give Matt a click. I'll put the link in the description as always. Let's dig into it. Ubisoft has announced that it has greenlit the development of a remake of its stealth classic, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. Announced on Ubisoft's website, the remake will be developed by lead studio Ubisoft Toronto, the developers of Splinter Cell Blacklist. It will be built from the ground up using the Snowdrop engine, which is the tech being used for the Division games, the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, and Ubisoft's as-yet-untitled Star Wars game, which I thought was going to be Eclipse at first until they popped up. Oh, Quantum Dream. Um, and 
I also was like, oh, fuck, that's right. There was talk about that, then potentially getting us the Star Wars license to work in the game. Anyways, in an interview posted uh, to the Ubisoft website, producer Matt West said, quote, I think it has, or I think it kind of has to be a remake as opposed to a remaster. Although we're still in the very earliest stages of development, what we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remains intact in all the ways that gave Splinter Cell, or gave early Splinter Cell its identity. Part of keeping that remake true to the series' identity is that it will be a linear game and not open world, uh, akin to many other Ubisoft titles. As for the games, uh, as for the gameplay, that happens or that happens within those linear levels. The emphasis is once again on stealth, not action. "Quote: It's safe to say that a lot of us on the team are stealth purists, and we're behind that level of seriousness when it comes to those kind of mechanics and those sort of things that we want to see in the game," says Chris Atuity, Splinter Cell's new creative director. And we're very, very aware of what makes classic Splinter Cell what it is. It's important for us to preserve the sense of mastery by supporting players who observe the situations, make their plan, use their gadgets, and outsmart the enemy creatively to deal with the challenges they are presented with, he explained. Ideally, they end up coming out on the other side with not one having no one having realized you were even there. That's the essence of Splinter Cell. The gameplay experience we are targeting is directly tied to what we want players to feel to capture the essence back when they were playing all the original games set West. It's unclear if anyone from the original Splinter Cell team is working on the remake, but technical producer Pete Handros, Handrinos, I'm sorry, says that the series veterans are part of the new team. Quote, there are a lot of vets here, so we're going to have a really good mix of people who have previously worked on Splinter Cell games and new team members who are joining and bringing fresh energy and fresh ideas, he said. But it looks like this remake could be at the start of Ubisoft's revised efforts on Splinter Cell. Quote, with this remake, we are building a solid base for the future of Splinter Cell, Atui said. While this is the first quote-unquote true Splinter Cell game for many years, Ubisoft also last year announced that a Splinter Cell VR game is in development. With two Splinter Cell games in active production, it means Sam Fisher's curse of being er, relegated I'm sorry, to a guest star in every other Tom Clancy game from Ghost Recon to Rainbow Six seems to finally be over. Guys, I can't tell you how fucking happy I am. I am so fucking hyped. I can't tell you. I, you guys know how much I love Splinter Cell. You know how much I've been fucking waiting for this. This game, the fact that, the fact that they're taking the original approach to these games, or to this remake, at least as of now, I'm, it's Ubisoft, I'm sure, and, and I'm a fan of Ubisoft. I think Ubisoft is one of the best third-party AAA developers out there, or publishers and developers out there right now. They're still going to find a way to monetize this after the fact, and whatnot, whether it's adding more things to do afterwards and DLC missions, yada, yada. We'll see. But the fact that they're going back to the roots of Splinter Cell and they're saying... They have a group of purists with stealth. This to me, this to me shows that I think we, like Matt said in the article, I think are truly finally out of that. Fuck. We're, we're ready to bring Sam Fisher back. We're ready to dive back into that world of stealth gameplay with Sam Fisher. And that even, that even, even if you're not a Splinter Cell fan and you're like a Metal Gear fan, that's still great for you because that puts pressure on Konami yet again to now start maybe talking about that Metal Gear Solid 2 remake that they're doing. 
maybe puts a little more pressure on them to put that, you know, put some info out on that maybe, you know. So to me, this is all great news so far. Obviously, we'll see. It's super early in development. I don't expect to see this game probably for at least three years. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we see this game in 2024. Hell, even 2025. Really don't. Uh, it could be even later than that. Who the fuck knows? But we're not going to see this game for a while, which is good because I think this is going to give a chance. This is going to finally be one of those games that we're starting to see the full bore of this genera console generation's power. Uh, de developers will be really kind of used to the tech by then. For the most part, they're going to be able to learn and kind of build a nice foundation for the future with this tech. Um, like we kind of saw once games like The Witcher 3 and even games like, you know, on the PlayStation side, Uncharted came out and things like that. We're going to get that good foundation of, hey, these devs have had three years with this tech now compared to, you know, some of them who didn't get to when it comes to launch or first year games. So this is all positive news to me. I'm so excited for this. I, I had to throw it in there. Obviously, Game Awards were kind of the focus of the show to this week, but I had to throw it in there. Anyways, though, guys, that's going to probably do it for our episode this week. As always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Like at Travelist underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S -S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelist underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live at just regular old Travelist. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. -S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Game Cash, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And guys, that's it. That's it for our episodes. I don't have any more for you. Um, uh, like I said, we'll be back to normal. Knock on wood next week. Uh, this should be the last time that we have. That we're doing a solo show. Not that there's anything wrong with this, but you get what I'm saying. This is going to be the last week that we don't have the whole band together for the most part. Hopefully, knock on wood, we're going to be doing our spoiler cast for Halo Infinite's campaign next week. Dive into that. Uh, Mike should have that wrapped up. Same with Adam. I'm excited to jump in on that. So uh, look for that next week. But if we don't hear from any of you before the end of the year, even though we'll have at least another episode or two in there, but if we don't for some reason, happy holidays. That's always great to say happy holidays. Whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. Happy holidays. It's a great time of the year with family and whatnot, uh, especially to, it's been a hard year for, it's been a hard year for my family, uh, my wife's family, uh, losing somebody very important to them. Uh, so make sure you celebrate with those that you love. Even when you think, oh, man, I got to go all around town and do all this stuff. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. So make sure you guys have the best holiday possible with the best people possible that you can. As always, thank you so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.